0: For the first part. All right, all right, all right. Greetings to all of you guys. And um, we're going to go right into uh, our message for today. We're going to continue with the second week of our Total Money Makeover series for men. And uh, we're just going to jump right into today, we're going to be talking about some debt myths. Uh, That's D-E-B-T, debt myths. So let's open with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you uh, for this day, for the opportunity, oh God, to apply your principles uh, to our our financial stewardship. Um, God, we recognize um, that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and all who dwell within it. And so, God, we surrender everything to you. Uh, You are Lord over our lives, which means you are also Lord over our finances. And so lead us and guide us, God, in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. We ask it all. Amen. All right. So today, uh, once again, we're going to jump into some common debt myths. And it's going to take us a couple of weeks. Um, just to go through uh, all of the debt myths that are out there, all right? And, um, and so as we jump right in uh, for today, I do want to uh, remind you, I encourage you to get the book Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. Um, as I have shared, um, uh, many of the principles in this book uh, I have taught as a class uh, at the church. There's a nine week Financial Peace University course that I've taught uh, through four different rounds of it. And, um, and listen, um, I will dare to say that this is not the only way to experience financial freedom, uh, but I will dare to say that it is one of the fastest ways to do it. And, um, and so I encourage you, I may uh, stray a little bit on some points Uh, Because I do understand, you know, Dave Ramsey has a has a thought process that says uh, you eat beans and rice (laughs) uh, until you get to a place where you can afford to buy more. And I think that works for for persons who are in their 20s. But when you you in your 40s, 50s, 60s, um, beans and rice alone uh, will not flow with most of our our diets. (laughs) Uh, we, we need some greenery in there. We need some fruit. We need some nuts in there. and um, But I will say, um, I know of some 20-year-olds who have applied these principles and are completely debt-free to this day. And you may be saying, well, what do 20-year-olds have? I mean, 20-year-olds who have fully paid for homes and have also paid off both of their student loan debts. And, um, and that is Admirable. Can y'all imagine uh, if you were able to be in your mid twenties with no house mortgage and no student loan debt? Uh, can you imagine what you would be able to do uh, with the money that you make if it weren't tied uh, to those substantial debts? And so, I want uh, to really just encourage you through this series. Feel free to leave a message in the chat. Um. And absolutely, if you have any questions, drop it in the chat. Whatever I don't get to on the first 25 minutes, uh, I will get to uh, on the other side of uh, 730. All right. So let's uh, also I do want to hold on one second. I do want to remind you. Hold up. One second. Just wanna make sure I start you all off right here. All right, there we go. All right, so as we start, um, how many of you all have either been this kid? Uh, Now I know Toys R Us long gone. Toys R Us no longer exists. Uh, But many of you have been this kid or you've seen this kid. Uh, in the toy store, uh, saying "I want it, I want it, I want it." I mean, just having a full-fledged fit uh, in the toy aisle. Um, I mean, I've seen it. You all have seen it. You may see it today in Walmart or, or in a Target store. Um, you know, but one of the things that we have to understand um, is that, look, be, you know, we must be willing and being willing to delay pleasure for a greater result is a sign of maturity. Uh, It is human nature to want it and want it now. Uh, It is also a sign of immaturity. (laughs) Uh, Whenever you're continuing to say, I just want it, I deserve this, Uh, you know, uh, somebody owes me this. God wants me to have this. Uh, we have to be very careful what we put on God in the name of our own impatience and our own immaturity. All right. So, you know, our culture teaches us to live for the now and, you know, realistically, you know, and, and they will say, what, and we can get it now if we're willing to go in to debt to get it. And so, Listen, debt is really a means to obtain the I want it before we can afford them. That's really what it comes down to. You don't have the money. You don't have the cash to just get it now. And, um, And so you can go into debt to get it. Proverbs 22 and seven says this. The rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. And that scripture is really gonna serve um, as our foundation uh, really for this entire series. Listen, you've heard it said that if you tell a lie often enough, loudly enough, and long enough, the lie will become accepted as a fact, all right? Listen, if, if a man can convince hundreds of people Um, to to leave America, go to Guyana in the name, and and drink poison Kool-Aid, even sacrificing their own children uh, in the name of a false gospel, then guess what? If it sounds a little bit better than that, then you can pretty much get people to follow anything. It doesn't matter what people worship or who people serve, uh, you can always find somebody that's willing to believe anything. And so if you continue to say something, I mean, loud enough, long enough, and often enough, guess what? They will believe it to be true. Um, We've seen that in our political cycles. We see it in our nation today. And, um, And listen, repetition, volume, and longevity will twist and turn a myth or a lie into a commonly accepted way of doing things. And, you know, debt is so ingrained into our culture that most Americans cannot even envision a car without a payment. All right. Most people think that you have to be rich to even talk like that, to be in a position where you can purchase a vehicle without debt or without credit, what? You know, most Americans can't envision purchasing a house without having to have a mortgage payment or a student without a loan, right? Uh, Or credit without a car. We have been sold debt with such repetition and with such, I mean, fire and fervency that most people cannot conceive of what it would be like to have no payments. As a matter of fact, there are people that are good with the idea of taking debt to their grave, but not us, because you cannot pass on generational wealth if you are tied down and bogged down with debt, all right? Now, Myth number one, here's myth number one. We're gonna deal with some myths versus truths um, about debt. Myth number one, debt is a tool and should be used to create prosperities. Now, uh, some of you have heard the the statement, there are levels to this, all right? Um, Yes, debt can be used as a tool to help you get what you could not ordinarily afford. But I submit to you again, that if you continue to ascribe to debt as a way of life, you will never get out of that cycle because you will constantly find yourself going back to that same well, and you will be in a position where you will always be the borrower and never the lender. All right, Um, so listen, I I just want you to understand that you can't even pass on generational property, property to future generations. If you keep thinking, if you keep thinking that I'm going to use debt as a tool. Have you ever heard, you know, people say, well, I'm going to get rich, make using other people's money. (laughs) All right. We'll see how long that's going to get you and how far that's going to get you. And I'll explain to you why. Yes, it may work for a couple. But for the majority, it doesn't work like that. All right, so myth number one, debt is a tool and should be used uh, to create prosperity. Here's the truth. Debt adds considerable risk. Most often doesn't bring prosperity and it is is not used by wealthy people nearly as much as we are led to believe. All right? So I like to look at it like this. If you wanna be skinny, you need to study skinny people. And if you want to be well off financially, you need to do and find out what people who are well off financially actually do, all right? So let me drop this little bit of, of, of uh, information. 75% of the Forbes 400, that is a list of the richest 400 people in America Said the best way to build wealth is to become and stay debt free. All right, um, you know, <laughs> no millionaires say that they got ahead by their Discover bonus points. <laughs> Nobody says that they got ahead in life um, by their 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 sky miles or their rewards points. Uh, from using their credit card. Uh, They all lived on less than they made and spent only when they had cash, no payments. History teaches us, and if you think, see, here's one of the tricks. You know, a lot of times the wealthy people that we are exposed to are the wealthy people who flaunt it on television and on social media and in movies and videos, and guess what? They are not the norm. They are not your everyday millionaire. There are far more people who are millionaires and you would never know it because they don't flaunt it. All right. Um, They live in nice, modest homes. You know, they don't necessarily have to have, you know, certain kinds of cars because they're not trying to impress other people. And you know and that's the place that we as a people have to get to where we're not trying to impress others history teaches us that debt was not always a way of life um i want you to think about uh individuals like jc penny his middle name was called james cash penny all right or i think it was john but whatever it was the c stood for cash because he always used cash. There was a time where Sears would never venture into debt. Now they deal more in debt than actual products. They don't even have stores anymore, right? But they still have a Sears credit card that is fully operational. Um, So the old school, they saw the folly of debt. The new school saw the opportunity to take advantage of the consumer with debt. So while you think that you're getting, you know, that you might be getting over by using their debt, the truth of the matter is you have to know lenders, they are never gonna put themselves in a position where you're gonna prosper more than they're gonna prosper off of you, all right? Otherwise it just wouldn't be good business. And so, you know, so lenders understand that. They, <laughs> they understand um, that I'm going to take advantage of this customer. And if I can keep them as a lifelong customer, there's a certain term called phraseology called brand loyalty. Just because you've always used a brand, they know th- they built a certain level of trust with you and you will continue to use that brand why? Because you almost feel as though they're part of your family. Come on, Capital One. Come on, City Card. <laughs> Come on, they, they, some of some of you have built such a relationship with them, you know, where you feel as though they actually care about you. And guess what? They don't. They only care about or, or money. All right. So let's take a look at myth number two. Myth number two. Uh, myth number two says if I loan money to friends or relatives I am helping them all right we touched on this last week the truth is if I loan money to a friend or relative the relationship will most likely be strained or even destroyed Um, listen you have to change the spiritual dynamic of relationship the whole dynamic of relationships change when you loan friends or relatives money because they no longer become friend, uncle, or child. They now are in the position of a servant. All right. All right. I'll go back to this slide just for a second. All right. They now become a servant. And so I want to remind you Uh, Again, you don't want to change the loving relationship that you have with family. Eating with your master is different from eating with your family. And when somebody in your family owes you something or when you owe them something, the relationship dynamics change, especially if you have not paid them back yet. So you have to ask yourself, is the relationship worth the money? All right. Um, Listen, I I would even encourage you to do this. For those of you that have borrowed from family and friends, it is better to pay them back consistently a small amount over time than it is to try to wait until you get this big lump sum so you can give it to them all at one time. That's just not practical because stuff will always happen. Things will come up, emergencies will come, and it is better to just at least, at the least, to pay a little bit at a time. Hey, I know I owe you a thousand, here's 50 this week. Here's 50 the next, do that, then to try to save up, and you never get to that thousand. And as a result of that, you just say, well, forget it. Why try, if I can't get there, why try, (laughs) all right? You can see even in this picture, see the left picture is what it starts off as. Thank you. You know, thank you for the money. And on the right picture, you see what it ends up as. Family mad at you. You're not looking at family. They can't really look at you good. All right. Thanksgiving dinner ain't the same when somebody owes somebody money. So how do you resolve this? They're really only... You know, really one simple way to resolve it. First of all, don't loan family members money. Tell them then the debt is forgiven. How much do you value the relationship? If you value the money over the relationship, then, you know, guess what? That's sad, first of all. Um, If you didn't have it to give it to them, you, you should never have given it to them in the first place. So if you value the relationship, tell them the debt is forgiven. But you could also do this. you know It may not mean much, but you could also do this. You can have them agree to help someone else in who uh, is in need someday, all right? Or you can encourage them to never loan family and friends money themselves. Why? Because you already experienced what it can do uh, to close relationships. All right, let's, let's take a look at myth number three, by co-signing a loan, I am helping a friend or relative. Here's the truth. If you're co-signing for somebody, you better be ready to repay that loan. The bank wants a co-signer for a reason, which is why they don't expect the friend or the relative to pay. So they're counting on somebody else who is more trustworthy to back the loan up. And that is you the co-signer all right so you know we believe um we believe that they will pay it that's that's what we want to believe we want to believe that they will pay it but the reality is they're not <laughs> it's there are far more situations where they don't pay it than there are situations when they actually do so we believe they're going to pay it because we know them, right? But people only need co-signers because the lender does not trust them to pay. Lenders, and here's the key, lenders are not going to call you as a co-signer until after the car has been repossessed and resold Below the debt amount owed, which will become your deficit to pay. All right. So let me make that, let me make that clear. So what happens is this. If, if the person who takes out the card note doesn't pay, the lender is not going to call you to collect the payment, the one payment that they missed or the two payments that they missed. They're not going to do that. Um, they're going to wait until the car is repossessed. Once the car is repossessed, then they're going to resell the car. And usually they're going to get on the resale less than what was originally owed. So let's say you owe 6,000 on the car and they resell the car for 3,000. That means you're still on the hook for another 3,000. And you want to know it, that's when the lender is going to call whoever the co was because they know they're not getting any more money out of the original uh, a person who, who signed the note. So they're going to come to you and you're going to be like, wait a minute, <laughs> this isn't my card note. And they're going to say, yes, it is because you signed on as a co And so Proverbs 17 and 8, you know, it tells us this, <clears throat> and this is something that I I pray um, that you would uh, that you would live by. It is it says it so eloquently out of the uh, C E V version. It's stupid to guarantee someone else's loan. <laughs> In other words, don't do it. Um, listen, if Many people are trying to help by co-signing and the result is damaged credit and damaged or destroyed relationships. It is not worth it. So I'm saying that to say as well, don't even ask your loved ones to co-sign for you. It's, it is jeopardizing your relationship with them, all right? You do what you have to do to save up so that you can put yourself in a better position to get whatever it is that you need. And if you stick with us in this series, we're gonna talk about how you can actually make that happen, all right? So if you truly wanna help someone, just give them money. (laughs) If you don't have it to give, then don't sign up to pay it. Do not co-sign if you know you can't afford to pay the note, all right? Don't co-sign for anyone that you know you cannot afford to pay the note for, all right? Because that's basically what you're saying you're willing to do, all right? Now, myth number four, cash advance, payday loans, rent to own, title pawning, and tote the note car lots are needed to help lower income people get ahead. That's a myth. Here's the truth. These predatory lenders are designed to take advantage of lower income people and benefit only the owners of the companies making the loan. All right? Please hear me on this one. Um, I used to work at what we would consider to be uh. uh that tote the note kind of car lot I was I used to work at as a finance person and under I started off as an underwriter and then worked in financing um and we we used to basically sell cars basically to people who had terrible credit and they couldn't afford to go anywhere else but to us and it was sad my my own conscience wouldn't let me stay in that job long um because I just saw how it was was hurting poor people. Um, They will buy a car from us. And then three months later, the car is breaking down and then they have to open up a a repair account with us. They were already paying close to 25% interest. Do you hear me? 25% interest. And then tack on top of that, a repair account, Uh, my conscience wouldn't let me stay in that place. And so I, I want to encourage you, there are far better options than any of those options. Let me give you an example. So a payday law. Let's say you give them a $225 post-dated check. We could just call it a hot check because really post-dated checks are illegal. <laughs> You're not supposed to do it. And they give you $200 cash on the spot for a service charge of $25. That is 11 percent of your check gone for no reason right no reason it's just gone um let's let's you it's just like you're just giving money away let's look at a rent to own now let's say a washer and dryer you get for 20 dollars a week for 90 weeks and so a lot of times we look at it and say oh i can afford 20 dollars a week what i can give me a washer and dryer but you're paying it for seven and a half years. Come on, that total comes to $1,800. I promise you that you can find something affordable for half the cost if you just take some time, budget properly, save up some money so that you can get what you need. Even if if you can't afford the top of the line washer and dryer, all right, you can still save up. You got to have a plan for everything. And we'll get more into budgeting as we go through this series. All right. All right so let's look at myth number five. 90 days, same as cash equals using other people's money for free. All right. How many of you know that ain't true? Either? <laughs> all right. 90 days is not the same as cash. And I'm going to tell you why. Because if you flash cash in front of a manager who has a sales quota to meet, you will likely get a discount, I promise you. And there are some places that only wanna deal um, with credit and and they don't really even wanna deal with cash because they know that it is far more profitable for them. But there are some places that are like, no, give me that cash now, I take the cash. And I'm telling you, if something costs $1,000, for example, if you walk into a car lot and, uh, and you have the cash, I promise you, whatever's on that sticker price, you can come out of there paying maybe a 1000 or $2,000 less just by flashing a little cash like my man is doing right here on the screen. All right? Um, so I'm letting you know, it is not the same as cash. Uh, most people, and here's the reality, most people don't pay off the debt in the allotted time. Um, nationally, 88% of these kind of contracts convert to debt, which means only 12% of the people take advantage of it. But 88% of the people, seven out of every eight that enter into these kind of arrangements and deals, they end up in debt. And when the debt comes in, you're talking about crazy ripoff interest rates of 24 to 38%. By the end of the life of the loan, you probably end up paying double the amount of whatever it was that you paid for, all right? And then guess what they'll do? They will back charge you to the date of purchase. So let me give you another example. Let's say, you know, this is an example where we say, well, we are gonna out- outsmart the man, right? So let's say you go and buy a laptop for $3,000 from um, a certain electronics store, all right? You buy it for $3,000 and they tell you, hey, 12 months, 0% interest, all right? No interest for 12 months as long as it's paid off at the end of the 12 month period. So you have a promotional period 12 months, 0%. Now, here's what happens. Uh, <laughs> the smart thing to do would be to take that $3,000 and divide it by 10 months, $300 a month, instead of taking that $3,000 and dividing it by 12 months. Now, 12 months will put you at, I think that will come out to about, what, $250 um, a month. I believe so. About $250 a month and for $3,000, maybe less or more. Um, so here's the key, though. You don't want to take it right to the 12-month mark. Because how many of you know, if you are one minute late beyond the promotional period, you may get hit with almost 30% interest that backdates to the original balance of $3,000. So that means they will add another $900 to your total debt, all because you were one minute late. And they are counting on you being one minute late. (laughs) They're counting on it. And that's why a lot of times the due date will be like a day or two or even a week beyond the original purchase date, the 12-month period. So you have to be extremely careful um, um, and you have to read. But for all of you that think, "Uh uh-uh, they're not going to get me. I'm going to take advantage of them. They are far smarter than we are. That's why they are billionaires and we are not. Yes. All right, finally, myth number six. And this is the last myth for today. Car payments are a way of life. You'll always have one. Here's truth number six. Staying away from car payments by driving reliable used cars is what the average millionaire does. That is how he or she became a millionaire. They understand that there are certain things you do not pay full price for, period. A car loses so much value as soon as you drive it off of the lot. And the average millionaire does not go out there and buy a brand new car, uh, you know, unlike a lot of our athletes today, uh, because they understand it already loses its value. What's the use to doing that? It's not necessary. Um, it is a depreciating asset, as, as our, our Pastor Flake would always say. So the the Federal Reserve notes. I'm going to just show you a couple of stats that the average car payment is $495 over 64 months. Now, I just want to throw this at you. If you invested that much from age 25 to 65 in the average mutual fund, and I say average mutual fund, which has about a 12% annual earning based on an 80-year history track record of most mutual funds good growth stock mutual funds you would have five million eight hundred eighty one thousand seven hundred ninety nine dollars and fourteen cents by the age of 65 i'm just saying all right so sometimes it is even more beneficial you know just to save up buy you a little something something that gets you where you need to go until you can afford to do better you would do far better by investing that much money than you would in trying to put it into a car. Uh, And you constantly going from note to note to note to note. Now, some of you have heard in the past um, uh, that it is beneficial to lease the car. It's not always the case. Um, There are some of you that take extremely good care of cars and you can hold on to them for 10 to 15 years because you take great care of them. Um, sometimes people say, well, I'm tired of putting all this money into a car, but here's the reality. Here's the reality. Um, okay. Let's say you got to put $3,000 into a car. It is better to put $3,000 into this car and keep it going than to be paying $500 a month for a car. Think about it. In a given year, if you pump $3,000 into a car compared to five hundred dollar payments each month that's three thousand in comparison against six thousand dollars all right so and i'll talk to you about how you can actually save up um, so that you can afford to buy a car with cash outright all right now some of you like red this is just you know i just don't believe this stuff listen You cannot believe it, but there are people that are doing it every single day, and I want you to know uh, that there are ways to operate better with your money than what, than how we've been operating, all right? So taking on car payments because everyone else does it does not make it smart, and so again, uh, the premise of today's lesson, and we'll continue this next week, is is that, listen, just because everybody else does it doesn't mean it's the best way to do it, all right? Um, there are many ways to experience financial freedom and we will talk about um, many ways and other ways to do it. Um, but again, what I want to encourage you to do is to uh, get rid of your love affair with debt. <laughs> Please get rid of your love affair with it. Uh, because believe it or not, they are far smarter than we are. And right when you think you're taking advantage of them, guess what? They're taking you to the bank. All right. So I'm looking forward to our discussion on the other side. Let's pray now for God's guidance. Father, we thank you and we pray, Lord, that you will lead the men of God uh, in every area of their life. But in particular, God, we pray that you would break Um, the love affair with debt in the name of Jesus. Uh, Father, um, we understand that we will never get to the place where we'll become the lender instead of the borrower uh, if we continue um, to love debt the way that we do. Give us a spirit of self-control. It's a fruit of the spirit and we thank you for it, God. Help us to flow in it, to operate in it. Help us to store up, oh God. Uh, for future seasons of our lives. God, help us to be great stewards of all that you've blessed us with. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, blessings, blessings. Now, next week, we're gonna continue uh, with six more debt myths. And um, so I encourage you to come on board. Also, if you don't have the book yet, you can get it from the church. Uh, We have a few copies left. Now, I have a few copies uh, in the church um, that that I've made available for $10. And I think that right now at Dave Ramsey's website, they also do have them for $10 as well. The total money makeover, I encourage you to get that book. And um, so you can get it through Amazon and other vendors. Also, I want to invite you all next Monday night, uh, I alone with a couple of officers from the church, uh, we're going to be Uh, working with the Allen Neighborhood Preservation and Development Corporation. And we're going to be doing what we call financial empowerment today and beyond, November 15th. Um, That's Monday from 6.30 until 8 p.m. It will be virtual. We'll send out um, this link so that you can check it out. And uh, we're going to be talking about topics such as managing cash shortfall strategies for pandemic drought recovery, identifying and managing budget breakers and sustainable strategies for economic empowerment. So I encourage you. uh, This is really a season of of stewardship and a season of just getting our money right. All right. Um, uh, There's so much that we will be able to do uh, if we have even our financial life in order. All right. God bless. Hang with me. Uh, On the other side, if you desire to give as the Holy Spirit leads, you know what to do Uh, on any of the memo lines. uh, You can just put uh, men's ministry and whatever you desire to give will go straight towards our men's ministry. All right.